Welcome to the Mastering College Two Career Podcast. I am your host, the one that knows the most, Daniel Botero. In a world where eight out of 10 students are graduating without a job lined up, and 40% of graduates never work in a job that require their degree, this podcast is the solution. In this podcast, not only do you hear from my own personal experience, countless hours worth of research on this topic, but I bring industry experts to help students take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. So with the fact that 85% of students walk down the stage without a job lined up, I decided to create a really short assessment that students can take right now that will take less than five minutes and give them a very clear idea of how ready they are to graduate with a job. And it's kind of funny, it's fun, and it will give you an animal. You'll either become a sloth, somebody that's just kind of be sleeping through college. You either are a bear, someone that has a lot of potential but has been hibernating. You could be a dog, someone that has been doing some great things, are trainable and have high potential or you can be a unicorn. And that is a very small percent of students that have done exactly what it takes to land their dream job and have already done it. So which animal are you? Find out at masteringcollege2career.com forward slash assessment. Welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College Two Career Podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest for you, an awesome guest, like he would say. I have June Han, and he's a serial entrepreneur, probably most known for his TED Talk, Get Ahead by Giving Back. And I met June at PodFest a couple of weeks back, and he was just such a genuine, great guy and just full of knowledge that I, I asked him to come to the podcast and share of why you can get ahead by being a nice guy. So without further ado, June, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. It's, it's really fun to be on your show. And uh, yeah, thanks for following up on uh, our, our initial contact at PodFest. That's like one thing that people, you know, they go to these conferences, they meet all these great people, but their follow-up is like really poor, you know? So right off the bat, you're separating yourself from the pack by the way that you followed up, man. So I appreciate that. No, I appreciate you taking time to come in here and, and sharing your knowledge with the audience. And we'll actually get into talking about uh, networking and you know, building a personal brand and, and that, Absolutely. you know, following up, that's half the battle. Like you can network all day long, but if you're not following up, then um, you might as well not even network. Yeah, absolutely. It's like putting in, it's like, you know, like running the race and then just falling, as, falling asleep at the finish line, right? It's just, you just, you just did all this hard work and then nothing. <laughs> And so, and, yeah, I and, I, and I don't get it. So hopefully, we can stress that enough in this podcast, and we can actually get more follow up from the students. But let's start, Junior. You know, for the for the audience members that might not know you, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and, and what you do? Yeah, so uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I uh, currently have five companies and two nonprofits, um, and I'm, I'm starting another charity at the end of this year. Um, you know, we've started six companies overall, but we put one to bed to start our latest one. Awesome guests that we'll talk about later. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm a serious entrepreneur. I'm, uh, most well known for my Ted talk and I had my giving back where, um, so that's where I get booked to do keynote spe- speeches at like conferences and universities and things like that. Um, and, and, th- and that talk just came from like when I started my first company, um, I needed to figure out how am I going to win in the world of business? 
right? And and the world of business, as you know, Daniel, is like a very mean cutthroat world, right? And same is true for corporate America, whatever. And I just realized like someone like me who like cares about people, cares about like win-win kind of scenarios and is tends to err on the side of like being too generous, things like that. How is someone like me going to succeed and not get eaten alive, <laughs> you know, like in the, in the world of business? And so um, because I'm a strategist, like, when you look at how to succeed, you have to go like, what is my, what is the likelihood of my ability to win a certain way? Right. And so for me to like win in a cutthroat mean way, I could get good at it. I can learn at it, but I'll never be the best at that because it's not, it kind of rubs against who I am at the end of the day. Right. So like if, if there's like competitor A or competitor B, me, that, if that person is naturally disposed to be like mean and cutthroat, I can learn to be good at it, but I'll never be as good as that person because it's like in their subconscious almost to be that way. And so I needed to look at, well, I'm, I tend to be a generous person, um, not necessarily like a nice guy, but a generous person. You know, like most, most of my friends will say like, he's not the nicest guy in the world, but he's always easily the most generous, right? There's a slight, they're very related, but they're slightly different, you know? Um, and so uh, when I started my company, I was like, I got to figure out a way. So I did all this research and that's why we did the Ted talk stuff about um, basically there's other people that have succeeded by being generous. And so the examples we use is like Coca-Cola um, their, their second CEO was uh, the son of the, the original CEO. And the original CEO was a bad guy was like a bad dude. Uh, but the son like um, was very successful and in a different company, I believe it was Ford. But in Atlanta, he was known as Mr. Anonymous because he would write these huge checks and never wanted credit for it. And so, but everyone knew that they're like, hey, at like some event, like we want to acknowledge everyone's favorite Mr. Anonymous. And they would clap for him knowing that he's the guy that would write these anonymous checks. So he's a very, but he's the one that made Coca-Cola global, you know? Um, and we talk about that in the TED Talk. Another person who profiles Warren Buffett. Um, in the book, we talk about someone like Bill Gates as well and things like that because these are like obviously household names and like legendary, like successful people, but they didn't become generous once they became multimillionaires. They were, they were generous from the get go. And you can argue that it was very much part of their secret recipe to like, um, you and I know, like even with job hunting for, for, um, young professionals that everyone would rather work with someone they like, trust and respect. That's like the currency, the social current, like trust and respect. Right. And the quickest way to get that is by being generous. So if you and I have never met. That's just the quickest way, right? Yeah, and and I understand that. And like I'm, I I I tend to think that I'm a nice guy myself, and I generally always believe in. I only believe in creating win-win situations. But I have, you know, and I always when I talk to students, and I, they they feel like they'll get taken advantage when you're sure. too nice. So and like, I and, and I agree with that, Daniel. Because because here's my thing. The, the the reason I started to do the research is I'm like, listen, I know a lot of like kind of good, decent people in business and they're not winning because I think they get taken advantage of, right? But I go, well, then what's the difference between someone like them who I call a giver versus what I call a give-getter, right? A give-getter is someone that gives but then gets ahead because they get. And, and what it is, they I realize they, they have a certain, either on accident or on purpose, they have like a system that works for them. So in, in, the, in the talk, we call it the lens, right? Leadership, expertise, network, and systems. And basically, if you don't have those four things together, you will get taken advantage of. You will get, you will get steamrolled. You will get screwed over by the doggy dog world of business, right? But if you build those four things, 
um, the reason I quantified those that way is because like I'm a science guy. I studied molecular biology in college. I'm a very like metrics data kind of person. And what I didn't like is people saying like, I'm just a good person. Why isn't the good coming back? It's like a karmic belief that like, if I just am good, then but, but business doesn't care about karma. <laughs> you know, like karma is more like your life in general or maybe the afterlife, but it's not in business. Right. And so, um, you know, we recommend like if you feel like you you err on the side of being nice, I would say there is a difference of being nice and generous. Because when you're a leader, sometimes you can't be nice because you have to actually tell someone this job is not a great fit for you. Right. Or you're not you're not performing well. There's only so so many ways you can be nice about that. Right. But in that you can be generous as far as making it uplifting, making sure that they have a soft landing somewhere else, making sure what they understand, what their gifts are, what they're good at, things like that. I don't know what? if that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. So like I, I read a book and it was it's called Givers and Takers. And it talked about givers and how like uh, a very low percentage of people are givers. The majority of people are matchers and then there's uh, there's takers. And right, right. I never realized, you know, that I never thought about people like that. You know, I always just assume everybody for me i'm like the ult ultimate optimist right, and my right. wife is the ultimate pessimist and yeah, so yeah. <laughs> i give everybody the benefit of that when i meet somebody right. they are you know what if they tell me that they can jump 10 feet i believe it right uh, my wife would be like i don't believe it until you show me i believe right, it right, right. Prove me wrong and so what i've happened to me it, it, now after reading the book it kind of like made me aware of when I meet someone and try to identify, are they going to, are they matchers or are they takers or are they givers? If they're givers, I'm going to continue to give open handedly. If they right. are matchers, I'm still giving, you know, because I, you know, I, I don't feel like they'll take advantage of me. They'll try to at least return some favor, but if they're takers then I'm a little more guarded on what I give or how much time I give. But, right. And actually, so Daniel, that actually goes to why I think like, so my philosophy or my strategy, the reason I think it works is because I think most people in the world are selfish bastards and they are takers, right? So that's what Adam Gant talks about in that book, Give and Take, right? So in, in the takers, and that's actually why it works because almost everyone is a taker. So the way to stand, and you, you mentioned this even in our pre-interview that like, you know, the whole point of after you graduate from, you know, high school, instead of trying to fit in, you're trying to stand out. Right. You know, to stand out, to be in college, to stand out, to get the, the right job opportunities and whatnot. And so that's brilliant advice. And, and if you look at most of the way of pre, pre, people are looking out for themselves, looking out for number one. Right. And so the easiest way to stand out is like, oh, I'm not like that. But it's you got to do it in a way that you, you basically mentioned. You got to do it in a way that you don't get screwed over. Right. Because, again, if my goal is to win the like, trust and respect of other people, in an environment where everyone's looking out for themselves, you stand out like really strongly. It's like, whoa. And so one of the research that we found was that they basically took families that were the same income level. So it wasn't like one was a lot, but the same income level, but one family was generous with like donations and charity every year. And the other one wasn't. Over a five-year period, that one family like basically laughed the other family. And they go, well, why is that? And so it's interesting because it, think about this either from a corporate perspective or from like an entrepreneurial perspective. So I'll start with the entrepreneur one first. Daniel, you and I are competitors. All things being equal, same price, same like technical quality of service, right? But you're known for being generous and I'm not. Like you sponsor things in the community, you volunteer. So what they will say on the average person that's trying to do business with either you or me, 
And this is why cause marketing is important. The average person will assume like, well, hey, if Daniel is company A and June is company B, but Daniel's giving all this money back to the community, he must be more successful than company B, right? Because how can he, how can he give away all that money, right? Secondly, people start to infer that like, well, you're a better leader than I am because you have all your stuff together to a point to which you're like basically giving back, right? And because of that perception, you start winning in business, right? So the same can be said in a corporate American environment where like no one's looking out for other people, but I'm actively mentoring other people and helping them out. They're like, how is this guy on top of his game so much that he has all this extra time and energy and resources and wisdom to share with other people? That just exudes leadership, right? And so it makes you stick out in a competitive environment where everyone's looking out for themselves. So that's actually why I think it's so such a like an interesting strategy. If you're that kind of person, you know, if you're not, I don't think you can fake it. To be honest with you, <laughs> you know, you know that you just reminded me of something that I did. Like I didn't do it because I knew your strategy that you were sharing. But when I was in college, I'm talking about like eight years ago when I was like a, a junior in college. I remember that I ran for the position of vice president of professional activities. And in that position, my job was to go to reach out to organizations and try to get them to come and recruit and hire some of the students in my business fraternity. And I remember uh, some of my friends saying like, why are you reaching out to them for other people? They should be reaching out for themselves. You should just keep all those contacts to yourself. Right, but right. when I reached out to the organizations, I was a leader in that organization and they respected me and they saw me at a different point because of the way that I was, I had some level of authority and that actually opened up a lot of doors for me, which allowed me to have multiple job offers by the time I graduated. And so that's such a great example when you talked about like entrepreneurship and even corporate America that I think when we put it into the student's point of view, you could implement this as a student, like help your fellow students out and it's going to elevate you. Yeah, I mean, because I think Daniel, I mean, what happens psychologically and what you're doing is that I, I think most people understand, like people are involved in anything because there's something in it for them. I mean, you know, that we're, no one's naive to think you're just doing it, whatever, right? But the way you go about it can be very petty and selfish, or it can be very generous and magnanimous where you're not like, listen, I'm not so petty. I'm, I'm just worried about myself. Like there's enough success to go around. We can do all these great things, right? And so what you were showing in that example is like, listen, I'm not just worried about me. I'm worried about all of us. And that the people that do that in life are leaders. They're not, they might not have a title, but the people that look out for other people inherently, those people are leaders. And so you just got to do it in a way that we, you know, we say strategic and smart and you have systems like you need to have like a, like you and I are talking about, it's like if I go network and I'm very generous, but I don't have a system of follow-up, then it doesn't matter that I was generous in that networking environment or that people like, like if I, if you did what you were doing, but there was no way you didn't follow up, then there's no way for you to capture the goodwill that you created. Right. And that's a step that's often missing with people that are tend to be generous is that it's not just them, but everyone fail. Everyone pretty much fails at follow up for the most part, you know, professionally. I have a question for you when it comes yeah. to like being nice, right? I think that the biggest problem with being nice is learning how to say no. Right. Because you generally think, Hey, I'm nice. And it, I get this all the time. Like I get friends like from middle school, high school, Daniel, I know you look at resumes. I know, you know, a lot of employers. Can you look at my resume? Can you do this? And oh man, dude. <laughs> I have the biggest problem saying no. And I know that 
sometimes I need to be selfish because if I just say yes to everything, then I don't have time to build my business. So how, how can you still be nice and learn how to say no? Right. So again, I, I would say in that case, I don't, I want you to be generous, but not necessarily nice. Right. So like the, when I say lens that you should have the L stands for leadership, there's two, two skills that every leader needs to have. One is the ability to say no. And two, the ability to do difficult conversations. Well, you don't have to like conflict, but you have to know to, how to do it so that people don't like hate you forever. Right. And so there is some niceness to that. So let me say why you should be generous. Like, so if I know that you're going to be bombarded with like stuff about resume and whatnot, right, Daniel, you know that you offer your expertise. You can come up with a 12 point or 50 point or hundred point checklist for what makes the best resume in the world. You know, like you could put that together in less than an hour. Right. And the reason I say it's generous is that's something people should pay at least a couple thousand dollars for. Right. You know, with the college admission scandal, apparently people pay half a million dollars, you know, for, yeah. for, for stuff like that. But what I mean by generosity is you take everything you know and you put it in a PDF that people can get for free. That's you being generous. But that's also you being a leader saying, listen, I don't have time to look at everyone's thing. So here, here's the free checklist. So you can just, I'm just telling you, if you'll just paint my numbers, you take your resume and you wash it through my 15 point checklist, your resume is going to be basically what it would be if I took a look at it. Right. And there to say like at the end, listen, at the end, if you still want one-on-one -on -one, and this is where it, it, it requires you to be a leader because your friends and relatives might be butthurt at like, Oh, well you're not going to take the time out. Listen, I'm giving you $2,000 for free in this PDF. Right. And at the end of that, you're more than welcome to book a call with me. Normally it's $500 for an hour of my time. I'm going to give it to you for a hundred bucks. Right. Cause that's a sustainable uh, type of generosity. Right. Now, if they're balking at, wait a minute, I have to pay a hundred dollars. I'm like, no, but I just gave you $2,000 plus a $500 discount. Like if you can't see what my expertise for $2,700 worth of value for a hundred dollars, then we have an expertise problem, which is that, you know, lens, like leadership, expertise, network systems, right? If they can't value you at that level, then you're not the expert that you think they are. Then you go, if I'm not an expert that you're willing to pay $3,000 for, why do you want my opinion on your resume anyway? You know, and, but, but again, a leader is you deal with the unpopularity of that conversation. And the way you do it, you can be a total jerk about it. Or like you said, you could be nice about it and honor them and dignify and go, listen, man, you know, Daniel, you're my favorite cousin. Of course, I want to help you out. Listen, here's a PDF. Don't tell anyone. I'm going to send it to you. People pay for this. People pay $2,000 for this PDF and the like, corresponding webinar or whatever. And if you have any questions about that PDF, you email me and I will answer that for free. However, if you want to sit down and talk like nuts and bolts and like specific things, I'm going to let you book me at 90% off, right? And I'll even do like in my, in my world, the most valuable thing is not the dollar amount, Daniel, but it's, it's like the access. Like right now we have appointments two months out, right? Entrepreneurs like, Hey, you know, can you mentor me? Can we have lunch? Yeah, that's great. I'd love to mentor you. That lunch has to take place three months from now because that's how many people are in front of you. Right. But for like my family and friends, I'll, I'll let them in tomorrow. Right now, again, if they don't value how special that is, then we have an expertise problem. And, and that's when I say, 
again, why are you talking to me? If you don't think I'm that of a hotshot, that that means something to you, why do you want my advice in the first place? <laughs> right? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, no, I, it, you know, yeah, there's it like makes a lot perfect of sense. And, and, yeah. I, and I think about it um, in, in a student's perspective it, it is I, I have so many of the students that listen to my podcast are like overachievers. It's funny because the right. people that should, that don't need my podcast are the ones that listen to it the most. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's, but that's life, man. The people, you know, people that hire us to fix their businesses, guess what? They were already going to do great. Yeah. They were, they're already doing great, but that's what makes them great is that they're, they're never done. They're never done learning. You know, I want to talk a little bit about being generous with your expertise, but online. Right. So, so let me tell you a story. So we started to see this about five or six years ago. So I have, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I run all these companies. I'm a friends with a lot of people that are this, the presidents of their companies. Right. So we are the ones that do a lot of the hiring, firing kind of stuff. Um, and we start to notice a trend about five or six years ago that like, so whenever someone would say, I want to apply for an internship or a job, the first thing all of us do right away is we look at LinkedIn. We take your name, Daniel Potero, and we put it in LinkedIn. And if it doesn't show up, that already tells me something about you. Like if you're an MBA student, which is most of our interns, right? If you're an MBA student and you don't have anything on LinkedIn, I was like, are you for real? Like what's going on, right? LinkedIn didn't just start today. It's been around for a while. So the first place we look at is LinkedIn. And if there's something there, that's great. The second one, so if we are on LinkedIn, I click on your thing and I see who we know in common. Because that makes a big difference in my world, right? Again, like, trust, and respect. Those are important. But if we have a common connection, it helps go a long way towards those three things. But so the first thing we do is we look at LinkedIn and then we go, okay, you're not there. So then the next thing we obviously do is Google, right? Now for, we know, start to notice about five or six years ago, when you look at people on Google, it pulls up social or Instagram, whatever. And I don't have any problems. I'm, I'm like different than some of my CEO friends. They have a problem like, all I see is this person partying and stuff. Dude, they're a young person. They're living their best life. I don't have a problem with you, you know, having these pictures, obviously not doing things illegal or like, you know, misogynistic or racist and all that kind of stuff. Right. But having fun, I have a problem with that. But what, what we start to use a phrase, like we were waiting for candidates that had at least, at, and I, I told you this before at, at worst case scenario, what I call a neutral online presence. That means that for five pictures of you partying, I can find at least five things about you being smart about your major or leading your organization or leading something, right? That, so that's what it means to be a neutral. I'm not even talking about positive. Positive is like the advice I give to my daughter who's in college. Hey, listen, you don't need to have a world-famous blog. Just go on Medium and post once a month or once every six months or every time you have a guest speaker at your, your major or whatever – Post just your reaction to that because it starts to creep your presence from being neutral to being positive. Because what we start to realize about five or six years ago, those of us that are running companies, is that I want to hire someone that's savvy about life. And that is the online presence nowadays, right? If you don't know how to use that world, why am I hiring a young person then? The number one thing you're bringing to my company is this digital relevance, the digital nativism, right? And if you don't know how to do that, what value are you to my company? Right. And so um, that at, at worst case scenario, I want to see a neutral online presence. Best case scenario, I want to see that shoot as a college student or as a young professional, you've been on five podcasts. Maybe that's only one every few months, but shoot, that's better than the other candidates. Right. Um, you've been answering stuff on Quora religiously. You've been popping in there once a month and answering stuff. Quora is a free thing. It's for you to flex your expertise. 
right? About whatever your hobbies or passions. Um, you've been posting like your just your reactions to different speakers or professors or books you've been reading on Medium. Like now, it's not a neutral online presence. You start ha to have a positive, like an overwhelmingly positive. So my thing is like, listen, I know what I'm getting. If I hire you versus someone else that has a neutral or negative online presence, you're you're going to be a huge asset to my company, right? And so again, as a younger as a younger candidate, that needs to be part of the equation of why I'm hiring you in the first place. Uh, you know, so so that's something that I don't think people realize. Like that's a big deal nowadays. That that we're gonna look you up, and we want to see, did you did you talk about smart things? <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's funny that you share all this because it's, this is something that I focus on a lot with the students that I mentor and I work with, and that's you know I, I take it to another level in a sense. I have my students have a more of a sniper approach of job searching, so yeah. they're more strategic, and so everything that they put out is. It's not only because it's going to help their personal brand, but also to show the employers that they want to impress that they know they are aligned with the company's culture, vision, mission, as well as they have the skills that the company is looking for, whether that is analytical skills, whether that's leadership skills, whether that is um, work ethic. You know, a lot of companies are looking for work ethic and showing the, and showcasing those skills. But with that said, I have a question for you. What are some ways that students can write or what content can they put out? Because sometimes their biggest fear is, I'm not an expert at marketing. Like if it's, let's say they're a marketing student, like I'm, right. that's why I'm in college. Like right. how much value can I really provide or go on quorum and, and provide some kind of value or what other things I can post that I, you know, not gonna- right. Yeah, so, so I think, so one is to understand just the mentality of the person that's going to be examining their like resume or application, right? So one, you know, in a, in a couple of minutes, I want to talk about the hidden job market, which I think your system that you teach your students through is, is brilliant because it helps them navigate kind of the, the ups and downs of that one. But the first thing I'll say is that, listen, if I'm like, if I'm the head of a marketing department, I'm not assuming that you know what I know. Like I'm the head of the department, <laughs> Right. But what I want to know is that you were a student versus another student. They're both marketing majors. Now, that student, when they heard a lecture, didn't have a reaction to it. They just like, that's nice. And they went on to play basketball or they took a nap or whatever. Right. But you, after you heard that lecture, Daniel came to my class and he gave me a lecture. Here's the three things that stood out to me. And here's one thing I disagree with. And here's maybe one question I have. If, if I could have dinner with Daniel or coffee, this is one question I'd ask him based on his lecture, right? Anyone can do that as far as just creating their own content. Now, Quora, you're just sharing your opinion because people are saying, what about this? And like, listen, if I were you, what do I know? I'm a college student. But what I do know is if you did this, this is what, these are the five things I would do, right? I'm just trying to see like, listen, are you, are you maximizing your potential on this given day? Because what I want to know is like, listen, if I hire you versus some other schmo, that person is not actively building their expertise and brand. Or if they are, it's hidden. Because I don't see them putting in the extra effort. And like basically, if you know, anyone knows this is education, like for me to teach someone something means that it makes me better about the subject matter, right? Like, you know, like if I'm struggling with a subject, the best thing I could do is tutor someone that's maybe a little bit lesser than me because it makes me more of an expert in that thing, right? To, to have to know it well enough to teach someone. Um, so I don't think, I, I think the pressure of like having to be the world-class expert, listen, I know you're not because you're applying for this job, right? But what I want to see is with the resources that you had, did you make the most of them? 
because that's most likely going to happen in our company, right? If the networking opportunities or the opportunities for you to flex your like, listen, say, Daniel, you and I work for two different competitors and we both went to the same conference and we both heard the same speaker, right? Now, after that conference, you did one post on LinkedIn about, hey, I tagged the speaker's name. Here's five things I got out of the session. Here's two questions I have. Here's one thing that I maybe disagree with, right? But then I was in the same session as you and I just went home. Like, which one's better for my company, right? So I want to see habits that, that my platform can amplify. It's kind of how colleges do this. Like, most colleges are saying, like, okay, if you come to our school, we have a platform. Can you maximize our platform versus a different student? Right. And so the same thing is like with my companies, with what I know how to teach you and how to do and our brand recognition, I want to know, like, can you come and take advantage of this platform or are you just going to kind of be like a, a burden on our system? You're going to be a drain on our company versus you're going to be a multiplier. You're going to add your initiative and and, uh, you know, um, your passion based on our branding. And then we're going to give you this platform to launch yourself even further. That's the kind of people that most employers want. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do have a question for you. When you talked about, you said it two different occasions. So I don't know if this is something that you suggest people to do. When you're, you talked about, let's say you, whether as a lecture or you went to a conference, you saw a guest speaker talking about like the top three, top three or top five things they learned top or two questions. And then one thing to disagree. Is right. that something that you always suggest doing? Well, I think, I think that just comes from how I consume like even if I read a book, that's always what I do. Like, okay, I just read this whole book. What was the point of this book? <laughs> like, yeah. how did it make me a different person, right? So if I read a whole book, there's probably like one or two things I should get out of it. Then there's also like, if I, if I ran into the author tomorrow, what's the question I would have? Because the book was written as a general case, right? Like a workshop or a speaker at a conference is doing a general situation. So I would have questions about how does that apply to the specific issue I have? Right. Like if they were my professor, I go into office hours and ask them that question. Right. And yeah. then the reason I say you should have like maybe one or two things you disagree with is because, dude, there's no one that's 100 percent correct. There's like no one that's 100 percent correct. So I want to see as an employer or as a leader, are you a critical thinker? Because that's a skill that I want on my bench, like everyone from top down in my company. I want everyone to be a critical analytical thinker. Right. And so I'm not saying you, you're just like a complainer. I'm just saying, no, if, if I forced you to come up with a critique of that viewpoint, I would say, you know what? I agree with pretty much everything Daniel said. If I had to come up with a counterpoint, I wonder what he would say about this objection. So I wonder what he would say in this thing. Yeah. I'm afraid of, and, and I, that's maybe this is where I disagree with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am afraid of a student putting critique on an expert and that being taken the wrong way, if it's not posed as a question, right? So I can critique them back. I can critique sure. a speaker. I can critique a book. But I critique it on a question. Maybe it's like, uh, maybe if I read a book like The Givers, uh, Givers and Takers, if I right. say, what if there's actually more takers than there is matchers, right? Right. Or, or, does, or it, does it work in this situation, right? right. So yeah, I'm, I'm, here's what I want to see. I want to see someone that's not like a, just like a whiny mean person like these yelp reviewers that just like are horrible horrible people right <laughs> yeah but um but if someone said you know what i love daniel's uh i love daniel's mastering college to career experience you know i paid the money i went through like the whole weekend so what i loved about it was these three things 
Um, if I had if I had enough money to buy one on one consulting with him, here's two questions that I would ask right away. And the one thing that I'm wondering, or one thing that maybe is lacking, is like I wish that the conference had this one thing. If it's couched that way, you're not just a whiny baby. Yes, right? you're yeah. not just like a caustic mean person, but you're because uh, because I think for for me, what I'm trying to find in 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 the ways that I operate, my cultural fit is I want someone that's going to stand up and say, listen, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just trying to know more. Yes. Because in our client work, we need people that instinctively do that, right? On accident without coaching. So I'm trying to see like in my vetting process of potential candidates, do you already do that? They're basically saying, listen, Daniel, you are the number one expert in your field. But even with that being said, I have a brain and I have enough confidence in myself. I'm not you, but my question is valid. What would you say to this? Right. Absolutely. It speaks to a different kind of like um, attitude, maybe almost is how I, I would say that. And I'm looking for that. I, I love it. And I think when you do those things, that's going to get you access to the job market that's not posted online, which is probably yeah. the next topic that we want to talk. about. Yeah. But re- before we move on there, Dan- Daniel, let me tell you this, man. I've never given a talk. Like usually if someone's paying me $10,000 to keynote speak, like I'm, I'm the expert in like, I'm being brought in as the expert, right? Cause they're, they're showing me with time and money and like the profile that, okay, everyone now listen to me. Right. I've never had anyone come up to me and go like, Hey, you know, June, I like what you said, but in this situation, doesn't generosity not work in that situation? I've never been like, how dare you? How dare you come and step to me with that question or whatever? That's not the way like real leaders go, man, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I never thought about it from that point of view. You've well, now made me a better person. Right? Yeah, but, that, but you're, you're assuming that, that you, because you're a, lead, a good leader, you see it that way. You're assuming that a person that's actually given the talk is not something that's very ego driven. Right. Feels like he's being attacked on stage and now. Goes right. And so here's what, here's my thing, Daniel. If the, the thing I want to find out the most is who people really are. So if I'm thinking like, I want to work for your company and I ask you this question and that's the way you treated me, then I know I don't want to work at your company, man. <laughs> yeah. You've just told me, you just told me behind the scenes what the culture's like. Absolutely. The, cu- yeah. the culture is we're all show. And we're super insecure. So we're maybe not the, like, maybe I'm applying to your company because I think you're the market leader, right? Yeah. If you're the market leader, you carry yourself in a different way. You're not petty, right? But if I see just to like an innocent question, you're being super like big timey and like petty. I go, oh man, things must not be going as well as I think they are in your company. And so now I've learned something about you that I wouldn't be able to figure out. So there's like all this detective work you find out with that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Like for me, I just like I want to know up front. If you're that kind of person, I want to know up front. <laughs> you know that that hey, maybe you're not the leader that I want to emulate myself then at, at this point, right? Because if you're that petty with an innocent question, what else can you teach me? Right, R- right. Or what else do I want to learn? I guess more than how do I want your DNA to infect my like my career or, or stain my career? I, maybe I don't, right? And so now to go to what you're talking about, hidden job market. It's it's like um you were sharing the story that one of your students went through and through the, the tactics that you taught him, um, he got, uh, he got a notice of a, uh, an internship a whole week before it was published. Right. Right. And so right. I remember there was, um, this was kind of early in my uh, career. I worked for corporate America for exactly 364 days. I couldn't last the whole year. I was uh, this, this was a fortune 13 company at the time. I was the youngest, youngest management candidate, in this company's history. So like, it's not like I was a slouch, right? But I just couldn't, I couldn't hang in the kind of like 
I need to throw my friends under the bus to get a, like a, like a promotion. I just couldn't do it. I, I was just not that guy. And I realized like, if I can't do that, then I'm letting my family down because my family needs me to advance as much as possible. Right. So I realized it's not a very good environment, but so a competitor called me in. It was like basically the same position as not my boss, but my boss's boss. So that equivalent of another organization called me in and said, Hey, um, we've, we've seen you at these meetings when we're all together. Um, we, we think we have a position you might be interested in. So I said, well, send me the position. And the position was like super vague. And he's like, if you want, you know, after work on Friday, come to my office. So I'm like, okay. Cause I was already seeing like, maybe this wasn't a great fit for me. Right. The, the current place. So I go there. So then he walks me through the more specifics of the job. And I was like, okay, this does seem like a good fit. And then he starts asking me questions about like my childhood, right? Like, did you do any sports? Do you speak any languages? You know, um, you know, where are your family from? And I was like, why is this relevant? And then I, and he never told me, I, I didn't ask that out loud because I was obviously trying to win the interview. Right. But the reason it was relevant was this. So by the end of that conversation, he said, here's the deal. This is how much the job's going to pay. It's yours if you want it. Um, and uh, next week, you're going to see this job posted, but don't worry about it. We have to do that, like you said, for compliance reasons, like because we're federally funded or, you know, EEOC opportunity stuff like it. We need to publish it for at least two weeks, but um, I'm only offering this job to you. And, and what I realized when I saw the job description, so we met on Friday, on Wednesday, that job description came out. And it was specifically like what he and I talked about job wise, but it also said like that had like a, a in-depth knowledge of Korean history. You're like, <laughs> what the heck that, you know, like that also has like a martial arts back, like all these weird non sequitur things related to that job. And what it was, was it was things about my life that he kind of put in there to say, to justify, this is why we hired this guy. Cause he obviously fits every criteria. And I just don't realize that people realize that the best jobs in the world are often created that way. You know, if, if you work in a big company, if you go golfing or you're in the softball league or whatever, you start hearing these jobs like almost a year, like, Hey, did you know so-and-so is going to retire in a year? What? Yeah. So right now we're, they're actively looking for candidates like, and this, well, then who's in charge of that search? Well, it's, it's so-and-so. Oh, I've been on a team with so-and-so or like, you know, he, I bat third, he bats fourth in the softball league, like it's a chance to talk to him and build that thing. You're like, Hey, Daniel, did I, did I hear correctly through the rumor mill that like so-and-so might be retiring? Oh yeah. Would you be interested in that position? Oh, I mean, can we talk a little bit more over coffee? Like, I think I could grow into that position. That job is mine before it even becomes public knowledge. I mean, 100%. Yeah. And I read a lot about the statistics and stuff. And I think it's, it's obviously very hard to track the exact percent there's of no jobs. Way. Yeah, there's no way. Filled. But different studies show that it's upwards of over over eighty percent of jobs are filled. Isn't that oil. nuts, dude? Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, and that's what's just guessing. Like, it has to be. I think it's higher than that. It has to be, yeah, but yeah. because I I think about it, and and here's the reality is that when I look at college students in the way that they're looking for jobs, they spend eighty percent of their time, if not more, online applying for jobs. When it dude. should be backwards, it should be eighty yeah. percent of your time yeah. should be trying to network and going through the back doors because that's where jobs are. It's all through a referral program. People, and you said it earlier, people want to hire and work with people they like and trust. And you can't build that by sending an application online. And, and that's why you have to stand out. That's why you need to have, you have a good public branding online using LinkedIn, utilizing the internet. Right. So that people can 
start saying, you know what? I actually went to the same hometown as that person. We like the same sports teams, yep. whatever it is that they can find commonality. Um, and, and the thing is like, Daniel, it's, it's, it's kind of what you were saying. Like, I think you, I think if I remember correctly, you said like 10, five, one, right? Yes. 10 companies, five people lands to one job. Like, so here's the thing is like, if I know the companies I'm trying to like back in the day, this would have been hard, harder, but now today there's no excuse to say like, okay, I'm going to Google alert that company. Are going to follow the company on LinkedIn and all these, and follow like the top hiring managers on LinkedIn. So whenever they're at an event, I'm going to be at that event, right? It's, it's there's like no excuse not to be able to do that now, um, because yeah. the reality is when you talk job search online, it's all being driven by algorithms, right? And yeah. and so algorithms are keyword searches and stuff like that. So definitely, if you don't have any experience in the industry, you're screwed because the algorithm isn't going to even even give you a second chance at yeah. being seen in the pile. There's no way. I talk right. about how, you know, people are so focused on their resume. And if you think about a resume is the most biased document in the world. Right. And so right. what's more important than your resume is who you hand your resume to. Right. Yeah. That should be your focus. It's not about your resume and what's on it because that's great. But what sells more, right? A good product that's marketed well or a bad product that is not more, like, <laughs> right. that is more, you know, a right. good, good product that's not marketed well or a bad product that's marketed well. So yeah. But let's even talk about the reality of this. Like, so it is not uncommon. And I, and I, I say this because I know a lot of CEOs, right. That will say, Daniel, the job is yours. Um, before you start, could we get your resume? Cause we need it for your file. Yep. <laughs> like wow. we never looked at your resume. We never once looked, I mean, again, we might've looked on LinkedIn and I saw you on different podcasts and I saw you blogging and I saw you like, that's fine. But we, but the reason you bypassed all those normal like filters or criteria hoops is because you and I met and we talked. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, that's always going to be more valuable than dude. Anyone can look good on paper. That doesn't mean anything to me. Right. But, and so it's so funny cause we're all like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, uh, so there's sometimes like I'll be on a board or something like that. And they'll say before the first board meeting, Oh, June, there's a, there's a formality. We need to have your CV on file for you to be part of this board. I'm like, Oh, okay. But I mean, I already got the job. Right. Yeah. So I don't think people realize that that is usually how it happens for these really like niche or really like if you find a super specialized job, the reason that job is super specialized is because they created it for that person. You know, they said, hey, listen, the best companies in the world that you, Daniel, you and I know this, the best companies in the world, they're just about finding the best talent and then, then figuring out a way you could fit into the company. You just want to hoard as much talent as possible. Right. And then yeah. once you're there, go, okay, now what do you do again? Okay. Let's create a job for you so that we can figure out to how to leverage, you know, your leadership and expertise. But we hired you because we think you're great. <laughs> I have uh, one of my good friends. He actually helps me with my graphic design. He actually did an internship and the company was so impressed by him that they don't, they created a, a whole new position for him. And, <laughs> See? Isn't that it? and he's actually yeah. going to be a guest on, on, on the podcast in one of the future episodes describing oh, so great. Uh, how you stand out and how you have a, and it's not even a small company. This is a billion dollar company that did this for him. Right. And I, I can't, I can't wait for the episode because I think, I think that's just the difference between like what, like what you get taught. Like there's, there's this, you know, there's a phrase in, in uh, psychology called common sense. Right. And so common sense is like this, you know, broad scope wisdom. But the problem with common sense is it sometimes doesn't work because it's just common. It's not like specialized knowledge. Right. So a lot of common sense when it comes to like entrepreneurial success or common sense when it comes to how to succeed in the job search and stuff like that is basically wrong because the common person is not the hiring manager. 
right? So the common sense is being developed by people that are totally outside of that process. When you talk to people that are actually in the trenches, like, no, this is how we hire people. Common sense doesn't apply because a common person is not in that seat, right? Most people in this world have never hired or fired anybody. They just haven't, right? But I'm telling you, as, as I rub shoulders every day with people, that's all we do is hire and fire people, right? As the leaders of our company and whatnot. I'm a big believer that if you're the leader of your company, you should be the one that's firing people, not just your HR person. I feel like it's very impersonal and that's not a very dignified way to treat someone that basically it's your fault you hired them if they weren't a good fit, right? Yeah. Right. So you should own up to the person and say, hey, listen, the reason we're letting you go is because we didn't do our job right. We, we hired you and you're not a great fit. Um, but, you know, most people that are in are never in that seat. So they, the common sense doesn't apply. The uncommon sense, the true, the true tale is like, yeah, we are hiring people based on whether we like them or not. And the easiest way for me to know if I like you is if I met you somewhere in person or like Daniel, and this is kind of what we're talking about with, you know, with our platform, Awesome Guest was like, like right after I get off this interview, I did an interview early this morning and there was someone that I've been trying to get a hold of for a long time. But we don't have any like mutual friends for like a relationship, whatever. But I tried to get on this podcast specifically because this guy had been interviewed on the same podcast, right? And so now I get to say, listen, Daniel, you don't know me from anyone, but um, the host couldn't say enough great things about you. And so I was wondering if we could connect and talk. That introduction is totally different than you don't know me from anybody and I want to pick your brain for some free advice or whatever. It's a whole different introduction, right? And there's just no excuse nowadays for anyone listening to your podcast to not be able to like find podcasts to be on or how to guest contribute to a blog and say, listen, and then, then, then to put those on your LinkedIn, right? Like LinkedIn houses all that stuff. So if I'm on a podcast, I'm going to put it on there, right? And then I'm going to do a recommendation to say, Daniel, I loved being on your podcast. And then you're going to say, hey, man, thanks. And you're going to put my recommendation on your profile. Right. So it's going to highlight our episode. It's going to highlight both of our profiles. It's like there's just no excuse not to like work that system nowadays to no, have I, a strong online personal brand. There's just it's back in the day. It probably cost a lot of time and money, but not anymore. There, there's just no reason for it. Absolutely. I do want to talk in, you know, before we wrap it all up about your platform. Awesome guests and what it, what the platform does and, and kind of why you even started the company. Yeah. So we started it because like I realized like. um I'm about like five or six years ago, I went to a podcasting conference. And so my, my like love and passion for podcasting is like, it just demo democratized like media, right? Anyone can get on a mic and put out a show. I don't have to be CNN. I don't have to be NPR. Like I can have a show, right? But what broke my heart was I'm at this podcasting convention. There's probably 4,000 people there. It was pretty much all the same like old white guys. And I was like, but wait a minute, the whole point is this is new media. There should be all these different new voices, new diverse perspectives. But it was a lot of the same old people that are traditionally represented in mainstream media anyways. And so I was like, there's got to be a way for people to rise up and be able to get their stories out and to increase their reach and influence, right? And from the, con the conversation we're talking about, that you can basically start to say, like, listen, I don't need to have my own podcast, but using our platform, I can sign up as a guest. And I can look for all these shows that are looking for anyone that has like wants like what's it like to be an immigrant kid? What's it like to be a science major? What's it like to be an entrepreneur? What's it like to work in corporate America? What's it like to be in Orlando? Like all these things that are unique to me. There's a show out there. There's like 700,000 English language podcasts right now. 
right? And about half of those are smart like you where they do interviews. You know, so about 300,000 podcasts are looking for guests right now, but they have really specific needs. Like they're looking for a Latina who's Muslim, who also grew up like, you know, on the East Coast, right? Well, if I fit that, I have something to offer to that audience, you know? And then more importantly, in the context of what you and I are talking about, once that, once that episode airs live, I put that on my LinkedIn profile, right? Because now when we talk about neutral online presence, like I'm going to Google, I'm going to link in your name. And then I'm going to Google you, right? Well, here's what happens. If I'm on a podcast and I also put on my LinkedIn, when you look me up on LinkedIn, it's going to have that I was on Daniel's show, right? But if I look you up on Google, your show, I know this about your show, Daniel, your show is on like five different places because of the way it's published, right? So right. my name is going to show up at least five times on Google in a positive professional manner or an expertise kind of manner. So just by showing up on a podcast or guest blogging, for like a you know like HuffPost or any even a smaller blog, as long as I'm out there, once I'm published on someone else's platform, I'm going to show up multiple times in a Google search, like my name, and so that's what we're talking about. It's a super easy way for people to start building a brand. Again, I'm not like I when I told my daughter, I'm like I don't think you should start your own blog or like grow your own blog as a business or start your own podcast show, but show up on other people's podcasts and guests contribute to other people's blogs because. That person has built a platform that's searchable by Google, right? And if you're being uh, you're being highlighted or featured in that platform, that does nothing but help your personal brand. And so we just built the we just built the platform to make it easier for people. And so so can students that want to you know might have very niche niches, can they go to your website and sign up to try to be a guest on other people's platform, or is it? Is there like an application process? No, so the so it's wide open because again we wanted to democratize and we want to get as many diverse stories on there as possible because really podcasters out in the world are really looking for all kinds of unique guests, right? And so I could say I could go on awesome guests right now and sign up as a guest, and I could say, um, you know, I'm a third year econ major, but I also studied abroad. My hobby is I like anime, um, and I also you know I love the show like. Sabrina the Witch or like Riverdale on the W, something like that or like whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But I put all these things that are unique about me in my profile and then what that does is now that makes it searchable to any host who's looking for that, right? So host is like, hey, I'm looking for specifically female guests because maybe our audience is female. I'm looking for people that maybe are can speak to finances um, but also that live kind of like a digital nomad lifestyle. So the fact that you travel abroad, tell me about that, right? And so it makes all the unique things about you searchable um, which is very hard to do, like, cause, cause, like, Daniel on LinkedIn, you're not gonna put that you like liked like comic book movies, like that's not something you put on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> so, but, but if that's unique about you, how is someone supposed to find out? How is someone supposed to find that out about you? Yeah. There's just no place where that lives right now, you know. But all the stuff you put in your profile on Awesome Guests is not searchable by Google, so it's not like, like, um, for instance, like someone might say, like, for me, you know, I've been incarcerated in two different two different countries. Well, I don't necessarily want to put that on LinkedIn, <laughs> right? That I've been arrested in two different countries. But those are two both hilarious stories, by the way, right? But so someone's looking up entrepreneur and maybe just someone's like, you know, like a felon or a convict or something like that. I'm going to show up in Awesome Guests under that keyword search. Like that's not searchable by Google at all. It's, there's no way any public um, you know, page is going to be able to find that out because it stays within our system. But that's going to make me a very interesting guest. I love 
ourselves, yeah. right? Stuff like that. Yeah. So we that's how we built it that way. And um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll give you a link that's special for your listeners um, that they can get to. You know, it'll probably be like awesomeguest.com/master, right, okay. or, or something like that. And then the, and then, but we'll put in the show notes um, when the episode releases and stuff like that. That so sounds like like a perfect plan. And so, how can students that love you know hearing and learning more about you? What is the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah. So the best way is LinkedIn, man. Just look up June S Han on LinkedIn. Um, or, you know, go to your LinkedIn profile cause I'm connected to you. Right. So they can search me under there. Um, I, I, you know, I have Facebook for like my high school friends and I do a little bit of Instagram. I don't really love doing social media, but LinkedIn I'm on all the time. Yeah. And pretty much it's the only way because I speak a lot. There's a lot of people that want my time. LinkedIn is the easiest way for me to see like, who are you? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so like for instance, your listeners, if they, if they're connected to you and then they reach out to me when I click their name, you know, one of the mutual connections is going to be Daniel. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Because I know exactly where they're coming from. And so yeah. I'm very likely to read their message and respond. Whereas if Joe Schmo, I'm like, I don't know who you are. You know, I have no idea why we're connecting. <laughs> Whatever. So yeah, LinkedIn's the best way. Perfect. Well, June, thank you so much. But before we end the show, I always end with one last question. And, and yeah, absolutely. I understand the reality is that most of the audience listening to this are probably multitasking right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, what is, if there's one piece of advice, one piece of a nugget that they can take away from this episode, what would you hope that would be? That, that there's two things. One is like in success, like in life and in business, you got to focus on the things you can control, right? So my thing is I can't control if people are mean. I can't control if the, the market I'm trying to be in, the job market is super competitive. But what I can control is the way I represent myself. Right. So I think a lot of times people get tired and frustrated and overwhelmed because they're they're focusing on a lot of what ifs. Right. But if you can't exert control over something, it doesn't deserve your time because you can't actually affect the outcome. Right. So like in what we talked about, like, listen, I can't control whether or not you hire me. I can't control that. And I can't control whether or not 3000 people are applying for this entry level position. Those are all outside of my control. What I can control, though, is when you look up my name online or you look me up on LinkedIn, I can control what you find, right? And I have a lot of control over that. And so I always recommend for people that are trying to be successful in life, focus on what you can control. You hear athletes or like celebrities, if they're in scandal, they always say control what you control is the phrase they use a lot. Like if they're slumping or something like that, just like control what you can control. My thing is like, that's kind of a weird, it's grammatically incorrect. You got to focus on, you got to focus on what you can control. And so I hope that all your listeners, like, especially like, you know, if, I'm assuming things are just going to be more competitive with algorithms and things like that. So you can't control how you're going to win in those environments. What I can, can control is like, when you look me up, what are you going to find? Yep. I love it. Absolutely. Jin, thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest. You've been an awesome guest. And <laughs> Thanks, I've man. enjoyed it. And I, I know the audience will definitely have, will get a lot of information from this episode in particular. So thank you so much. And for everybody listening, thank you so much for spending your time with us and catch you guys on the next episode. If you're listening to me right now, you, my friend, have made it to the end of the podcast. 
I want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you for being different and taking control of your career. Doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's going to set you apart and not be just another statistic. So great job. Keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.